sure I will. All right, let's go ahead and get this queued up. Well, I guess hell finally froze over. Last week, I delved here into recent data from the CDC suggesting major problems with regard to the mental health of our adolescents, surges in depression and suicidal ideation, especially true for our girls. This week, I found cause to worry about young men. This headline from The Hill, it caught my eye. Most young men are single. Most young women are not. The story reported that as of 2022, Pew Research Center found 30% of U.S. adults are neither married, living with a partner, nor engaged in a committed relationship. Nearly half of all young adults are single. Now, look at these numbers. 34% of women, twice as many, a whopping 63% of men. What explains that? There's a lot that explains that. Now, I started off by playing this here, but I'm going to stop now because... YouTube is prone to put copyright strikes on things, so I'm going to go ahead and stop as far as the video is concerned. So from here on in, if I got anything else to play in that regard, I'll just go ahead and refer to a still image here. But just heard and saw some things that are just really misleading. But I want to go ahead and delve into that because some of the stuff they're saying here is true, but a lot of it's misleading. Let's go ahead and let me finish here. I pulled the Pew study and I read with interest. Turns out since 2019, the share of single men who say they're looking for dates or a relationship has declined from 61% to 50%. In 2018, 28% of men ages 18 to 30 reported they had no sex in the past year, compared with 18% of women of that age. The Hill report said men in their 20s are more likely than women in their 20s to be romantically uninvolved, sexually dormant, friendless and lonely. They stand at the vanguard of an epidemic of declining marriage, sexuality, and relationships that afflicts all of young America. Among the causes, among the factors, a reliance on social media and online porn. But also, more young women are hooking up with each other or dating and marrying slightly <laughs> older men and heterosexual women are getting more choosy. Well, now isn't that something? So, Mike Smirconish and say, CNN, don't want no bitch. No, no bitch. after all of these years you know you of denying it, after all of these years of saying that if you say it, that somehow misogynistic yes, math is misogynistic, after all of these years of disputing what I've said behind this microphone, and yes, I'm going to say it, after all these years of disputing statements by individuals such as Kevin Samuels, These were things that you know where he got it from, but after all these years of hearing that, and to a lesser degree, the red pill when they weren't whining their butts off, yeah, after all these years of saying that, now, now that it's undeniable, now that you can't get people to backtrack, now that you can't get them to recede, remember when we were talking about that before about, by the way, if you take a look at these things, you're going to see more females hooking up with each other. There will not be men willing to engage. So you're going to start seeing a spike in females saying, well, if the men don't want us, we'll go with each other. After they said, no, that's not true. That wouldn't happen. That's not what's going on. 
CNN is now openly saying what we've been saying now, what I've been saying going on 15 years, what Kevin said for three, what these other folks are catching up now in the last year and a half. That was what we said then. Now that sexuality is socialized. They said it couldn't happen. Oh, you don't have, that wouldn't occur because sexuality is biological. Well, it certainly is, but your sexual behavior can be socialized as anybody in prison. And CNN, cowardly as usual, after all these years and really decades of denying it, they're now coming out and admitting what we've been saying the entire time. Now that it's almost too late for it to matter because we didn't move. So that shows you the pendulum is swinging back the other way because we didn't move. We didn't change. They did. Online porn. But also, more young women are hooking up with each other or dating and marrying slightly older men. And heterosexual women are getting more choosy. Other troubling statistics about men come from a 2021 study from the Survey Center for American Life. They found the share of men who have six or more close friends, which in 1990 was 55%, by 2021 had shrunk by half. Meanwhile, those with literally zero close friends, which stood at 3% in 1990, has zoomed to 15%. An expert quoted by The Hill said this disconnect can have catastrophic consequences for young men. Quote, in the worst case scenario, the young American man's social disconnect can have tragic consequences. Young men commit suicide at four times the rate of young women. Younger women are largely responsible for rising rates of mass shootings, a trend that some researchers link to their growing social isolation. Well, those words reminded me of a conversation that I had over a year ago, right here on CNN, with NYU professor Scott Galloway. But the issue is, when you have a group of men, the lower half of attractiveness of men, and online dating, which has doubled, now it's about half of relationships, and the top 20% of men in terms of attractiveness get about 60% of the interest, you end up with a group of men that are more prone to conspiracy theory, more prone to misogynistic content, more prone to believe, not believe in climate change. So these, this is the American story. If it's written with a pen whose ink is failing young men, does, does not end well. This is an existential crisis, failing young men. Now, you all know me. You all know me. Um, I have, I'm a longtime follower of Professor Scott Galloway at NYU. His work in marketing, his work in research, his work in accurately predicting corporate trends and defining these things, I I consider him the second to none. More recently, he started delving into this area. And while many of the things that he says are accurate, a lot of the conclusions he comes to, or should I say the causation, and some of the conclusions are completely false. But I want to give you all something to think about here right now, because think about what he just said here for a moment, and then we're going to go on to everything else. Listen to what he just said. If it's written with a pen whose ink is failing young men, does, does not end well. This is an existential crisis, failing young men. An existential crisis, failing young men. How did you get there? Because if you won't describe that and discuss that, you won't get any further. 
So they're starting to nibble around the edges. They're nibbling around the edges there. And Professor Galloway goes on to say some more things here, but I want to put this in its proper context. Because as you all know, what Mr. Smirkanish said was that he had read an article from The Hill. Well, I read the article from The Hill too, as you all know, I'm not just a person who listens to the media and stuff. I actually will go and read the reports. I'll read the studies. I'll read the surveys. I'll delve into the data so that you don't have to take somebody else's word for it. Now, The Hill made this article, most young men are single, most young women are not. That headline is not false, but the impression, the overall impression that it gives is incredibly erroneous and I believe deliberately so. Deliberately so to create this idea that there's a problem with the males, but the women are doing just great and everything's wonderful, when literally the data that they cite shows the exact opposite. Now, among other things, what they did was they went to a survey from the Pew Research Center. They went to a survey from the Pew Research Center. And I actually could be bothered to read the survey dated February 8th by Risa Gellis-Natwick. For Valentine's Day, five facts about single Americans. So she's writing this article, and there's a number of different things that they go into here. I want you all pay attention because this is critical and key. And by the way, if you like tonight's program, that we are being unapologetic and uncompromising, give me a thumbs up in the chat room and hit the likes button for me. So for 1,600 people in here watching live right now, and not even half of them have liked the program here tonight. So if you like the program, give me a thumbs up emoji, give me a fire emoji, and hit the likes button for me. Because I've, I've already sifted through this so I can go ahead and filter out for you all of the pertinent data that you need for the takeaway. Now they go into several pieces of data here, and you heard Mr. Smirkanish talk about a little bit of it, but I wanna put it in its proper perspective. So you get all of the data. Now, what I'm going to do here first is I'm going to start with some of the smaller pieces. I'm not going to get to the part that he's talking about first. I want to get to some of the smaller pieces he was dealing with there. First of all, you come here and it says that roughly six in 10 single adults in the U.S. say that they are not looking for a relationship. Now, this is overall adults, period. This is regardless of uh, gender, sex, um, sexuality, sexual orientation, age. So this is basically all together here. And what they're saying is that 42% of people are in a committed romantic relationship. They're looking for a committed romantic relationship only, looking for casual dating only, or either a committed romantic relationship or casual dates. But that leaves 57% of the population who are not currently looking for a relationship or casual dates. Not looking for a relationship of any kind. So that's the first piece of extraneous data that they throw out here. Then we come back to what he's mentioned here before. He mentioned about 2019. You all remember, I've been following this now for years. So since the pandemic, but now they've done a survey after the pandemic. 2019 was before the pandemic, which was 2020. And then now, as of 2022, and as you can see here from the numbers, the dark blue bars 
represent 2019 numbers, the 2019 data. The light blue bars represent the 2022 data. What you find is that in U.S. adults overall, back in 2019, 49% of adults overall were looking for dates or relationships. Now it's down to 42%. When you take a look at the women in 2019, it was 38% were looking for a relationship. Now it's down to 35. But among the men, it was 61% in 2019. Now it's down to 50%. You've got to ask yourself, what happened? What's changed? Yeah, the numbers are falling, but the men are leading the numbers. Could it be that men are making good on their threat that if things don't change, we can be perfectly fine by ourselves at an earlier age? Despite some of the things that Smirconish and Professor Galloway may have said, fellows are kind of making good on that promise there, but wait, but wait, but wait, there's more. Now, here we go to the uh, next area here about younger, single, and looking adults are more likely than their older counterparts to have recently dated online. So you're seeing an increase in online dating is what you're seeing. They're showing you that that's what you're seeing here now because, yeah, folks are not mingling the way they used to in person. So they're feeling like they have to throw their options open to the wide, wide world in general. Now, that's something to keep in mind, that they're not looking where they are. Everybody's acting like they have the ability to be everywhere. Now, that was the extraneous data. That was bad enough already. But why don't we go ahead and take a look at the big picture? Because when you take a look at the results, it shows you a little bit of something here. Now, if you take a look at, we're going to start with the ages here. We'll start with the ages. And what you can see is, you remember before he was pointing out for young people, between the ages of 18 and 29. That's what he pointed out. Now, you notice that. But here's the context that is missing from this article, from um, Mr. Smirconish and Professor Galloway's statements here. Here's the context that's missing. Do you notice which way the numbers trend as they get older? Do you all see which way the numbers trend as you get older? You see, at the this is really just rehashing data we already know, which is to say that when you are younger, the females have all the advantages. The females have the advantages in the sexual marketplace when you're younger. The females are not as single. Well, hell no, because they're doubling and tripling up on dudes or maybe a couple of chicks. But what they're saying is when you're younger, the females have the advantages. Uh, duh. So you see, they're trying to acknowledge the reality without acknowledging what we've been saying the whole time, which is this is the way it's always been. The females have always had the leverage and the advantage when they're younger. But you notice that neither The Hill, nor Pew Research, nor CNN, nor anybody on CNN, they didn't follow this data all the way through. 
Because when you follow the data all the way through, do you all see where those bars for the men, as we get older, as you have been told by this microphone now for years and years, as men get older, you notice that number for us starts dropping. Inversely, the number for the women starts rising. Once we get past, let me think, let me think, let me think. I don't want to get wrapped up here too too wrong. Let me think. Um, once that number gets to a certain point, I'm not quite sure. Oh, wait a minute. Now, this is CNN validating and corroborating something that I've been saying now going on a decade and a half, something that those of you who are subscribers here to the business have been hearing since you came here. What we've been saying the whole time, and this is news, which is why I said they finally admit what we've been saying the whole time. In your early, late teens, early 20s, the females have all the leverage. This is not news. This is old. In the early 20s, the females have all the leverage. They, they're only single by choice. If they choose to be, they're single by choice. However, as time goes on, that number changes. That number changes, and the next thing you know, when the men start hitting their socioeconomic stride, as I've always placed it in their mid-30s to 40, when men hit their economic stride, the numbers plummet. Because I want you all to take a look. Take a look at the number of females who are single between the ages of 18 to 29, and then take a look at the number who are single from age 65 to dead. Now, this is what everything hangs on. Everything hinges on this one data point. Take a look at the numbers for females being single between the ages of 18 and 29, and then take a look at how those numbers swing back around at the end of their lives. So at the beginning of their lives, that's the single rate, and then at the end of their lives, it swings back around, only the number's gone up. But take a look at the men. Well, at the beginning for us, it's 63%. But from 65 to dead, it falls to only a quarter of us. So it's over half. It's almost two-thirds in the beginning. But at the end, it's only a quarter. For the females, it's 39%. For the men, it's only a quarter. Yeah, you never saw it from that standpoint because the corporate media didn't dissect the data and explain it just like this. It wouldn't have been in their interest to do so. It wasn't in their interest to do so. But if I know this and I'm able to point this out, then why the hell is it that they don't know this or they're not able to point this out? And the simple fact of the matter is they are. The simple fact of the matter is they are. They do know, but it's not in their interest to say it. It's in their interest to keep saying that there's the males are screwed up because it dominates you. It dominates you. It makes you feel bad. It, it, it tells you that there's something wrong and screwed up with you here. 
So that's the whole purpose of it. But if I was able to go through the data and the makeup of it here and to get to that, why the hell didn't these folks, why wasn't that the lead? Why wasn't that the lead in what they said all this time? Why didn't they sit up here and say that? Because if it was, then they would have come to the same conclusions that I did. Now, another data point that was in there was they also have it broken down by race. And what I want to do, I want to go ahead and throw this up on the screen for you here. I want to throw this up on the screen for you because they didn't even really get into this. They didn't really get into this. But I'm going to go ahead and get into this. You take a look at the numbers broken down by race. Let me go ahead and get that a little bit smaller for you. You take a look at it broken down by race. Oh, boy, can you bar the doors? Rough times ahead. Rough times ahead. You take a look at the numbers here when you're talking about whites. 27% is referring to people who are single. Is referring to Americans being single. Three in 10 Americans report being single, but this varies by age, gender. So this is the single ratio among white people, 27%. Among Hispanics, 32%. Asians, 29%. More than, more than white folk. But for black people, 47%. So in other words, that's kind of skewing the numbers for everybody when you think about it overall. And then when you take a look at those numbers for men and women, it kind of skews it again. It skews it again. But it's very, very hard to get this stuff taken care of and to get it properly explained and resolved because the people in the media keep misrepresenting what's really going on. They keep misrepresenting it. They'll start off good and then they'll go break off into something else. Once again, somebody I have an imminent amount of respect for, Professor Galloway, some of these conclusions, while it starts good, it skews in a direction that distorts why we find ourselves in the situation we find ourselves in. Real entrepreneur, he's the host of the Professor G podcast and author of multiple best-selling books, most recently, Adrift, America in 100 Charts. Scott, thanks for returning. Hasn't the advantage always been to those with the looks and or the money? What's changed? Okay, now notice how prejudiced that question is. Hasn't the advantage always gone to those with the looks or the money? He didn't say, hasn't the advantage always gone to women? He didn't say that. He says something else. He starts with focusing on the men, their looks or their money. So already we're starting off uh, from a very disingenuous area here, erroneous, but okay. Uh, first time, I just want to say thank you for raising this issue a year ago when a lot of media um, companies were afraid to talk about this for fear of it being pro-men was somehow being anti-women. Look, this is returning to the natural order of things. For the majority of history, a small percentage of men have had the majority of the mating opportunities. But in America, we decided to make a huge investment and what would probably be the greatest innovation in history, and that is in the middle class. From 1945 to 1947, 7 million men returned from war were discharged from the service, and we decided to give them the GI Bill. Uh okay, let me go ahead and talk about that real quick. Let's go ahead and discuss that GI Bill. 
that's kind of important in the context here because when you talk about building the American middle class after World War II, what you have to also keep in mind is that black men, the GI Bill did not benefit us the way that it did non-black men. Do you remember that? It didn't benefit us the way it did non-black men because while the federal government, the military was segregated, but okay, the federal government did give black soldiers the GI Bill, but those black soldiers were all going back to segregated communities. Those black men were not going back to equal communities. They had left segregated states, segregated cities. They were taking their GI Bill voucher and their GI Bill mortgage assistance back to segregated states and segregated cities that did not honor their ability to qualify for a house, nor did the banks redlining. So while Professor Galloway may be telling the truth for white men, that is not putting our experience as black people. I know I have non-black folk listening. You're, you're, you're fully, this is all, you'll, you'll learn something from this also because it applies to your knowledge of understanding where we come from in this regard. But as black men, we didn't have that. So you can't compare the socio, if you're going to say that building the middle class was a result of Dwight David Eisenhower and the GI Bill, because by the way, Dwight David Eisenhower also contributed something else to the socioeconomic landscape at the same time that didn't do us any good, that did absolute devastation as well, by the way. But if you're gonna say that President Eisenhower after World War II, that that built the middle class, then we have to ask ourselves, did it actually get done? That's a real good question. Or did other folks get left out of it? That is in the middle class from 1945 to 1947. Seven million men returned from war were discharged from the service, and we decided to give them the GI Bill, uh, subsidized mortgages. Uh, we saw education rates go from five to forty-five percent. They were valued, and we had such a strong uh, manufacturing base that you had massive uh, marriage and household formation. And some men were seen as more economically and emotionally viable. And you've seen the reverse happen with the offshoring of much of our manufacturing base, with a society that quite frankly doesn't value young men. When we talk about problems with people of color or women, we see it as a systemic societal problem. When we see problems or the stats that you just mentioned, we see it as accountability where the men just need to level up. But married households and household formation are better citizens. They vote, they save at twice the rate, they're less likely to commit crimes. And we have fewer and fewer uh, viable men. We have a dearth of economically and emotionally uh, viable men. But the middle class is an accident. Unless you invest in it, it doesn't happen. Eisenhower decided to invest $500 billion in a national highway uh, project that created tons of jobs. Eisenhower decided to invest $500 billion in a national highway project. Do you mean the freeway and interstate, the Highway Act, that demolished black communities? You mean that one? Is he referring to that one? And by the way, there was more than one because the federal government in its omnibus spending keeps funding highways and freeways. So we never actually stopped that. So Professor Galloway is crediting the GI Bill and he's crediting the Highway Act, both of which targeted black people 
in a negative fashion. I've already explained to you about the GI Bill. Now you're talking about the Highway Act. Yeah. And we didn't get any benefit from it. As a matter of fact, in the specific case of the Highway Act, it specifically targeted us and destroyed the homes we did have. Every single city across America, if you take a look where the freeways are, that's where your black communities used to be. I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. Interstate 20, they plowed that through the black communities. Interstate 49 actually curves in Shreveport to make sure they got as much of the black neighborhoods as they could. And it's not even finished yet. And basically, it's been staring down the north side of Shreveport where black folk are like double shotgun barrels for the last 30 years. And anywhere you go, Dallas, Texas, down through DeSoto, um, uh, Oak, uh, Oak Lawn, um, I forget the name of it, I used to be there, uh, University the, in uh, Dallas, Texas, all goes through there too. Um, you go out to uh, Atlanta, 85, 285, 20, you go down the damn list. Yeah, going through downtown, it's all nice and great, but you take a look at where 285 goes through. Birmingham, Alabama, they just redid Interstate 20 going through downtown Birmingham. I should know, I've been waiting for them to stop that mess for the longest damn time. But is it 20 and 469 or whichever the other, the bypass is? Then you're going through your black neighborhoods. It doesn't matter where you are in America. New York, New York has a spaghetti soup of interstates and all when you take a look off the damn freeway <laughs> left side of you is another car right side is a housing project the the uh interstates the uh thoroughfares the expressways hudson parkway jfk fdr everywhere you go chicago cleveland los angeles the 10 Everywhere you go, that's where black folk used to be. And they demolished our neighborhoods. So now you've got the grandchildren moving out <laughs> into the world with all the wealth that they were supposed to have. The white kids got to keep theirs. Black folk had it stripped from them. And then you wonder, black folk had it stripped from them. And then you wonder how you end up with a number like this. You wonder how it is that White folk got a cold, but black folk have caught pneumonia. You wonder why it is. Yeah, it's real easy for you to catch pneumonia when you got somebody sitting up here spraying bacteria around the room and, and, and messing up the air filters. It's real easy to get there. I just wanted to make sure that we put Professor Galloway's statements in its proper context if you're going to cite the GI Bill and the Highway Act as, quote, creating the middle class. If anybody wants to wonder, what happened to black folk? That's what happened to black folk. The GI Bill and the Highway Act, among others. Man, we have a dearth of economically and emotionally uh, viable men, but the middle class is an accident. Unless you invest in it, it doesn't happen. Eisenhower decided to invest $500 billion in a national highway uh, project that created tons of jobs. We have, uh, and by the way, the tax rate back then was 91%. We raised money and we redistributed in social programs that made young people more economically viable. And then... Well, the programs that made us economically viable over here on the side of the fence, but okay, I'll go ahead and let me keep talking. ...people more economically viable. And then, Scott, you toss in the influence of social media and how relationships today, they don't come from, in our era, happenstance and mingling, right? They, they come from swiping. 
and that further accelerates this issue. Am I right? Oh, it's it's been okay. Here's the problem. Let's go ahead and deal with this social media thing all right here. Okay, um, a female on social media can get five thousand Facebook friends in about thirty calendar days, and she can get a hundred thousand to. 500 million Instagram followers if she built the right way and takes the right photos. A man, he doesn't get any following whatsoever unless he is useful. He's got to be useful. He's got to be accomplished. He's got to actually produce something in the real world. You don't get to be a fashion plate as a man and social media works for you. You don't get to post up pictures as a man and social media works for you. You don't get to sit up here and go to Instagram and get some chicks who don't sponsor you. Social media doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you. So if you're going to sit up here and cite the value of social media and, and, and talk about that, you just understand when you say those kind of things, men and women don't get the same benefit out of it. So once again, if you don't put it in its proper context, you're acting like the men have the same issue the females do, and they don't. Social media is a huge benefit and a huge boon to females when they are younger. It's a gigantic help to them when they're younger. <coughs> now, when they get a little bit older and they can't, they can't pull like they used to and whatnot, the next thing you know, those, those numbers start to flip-flop around the other way. But if we're going to be all the way honest about it, then just remember when they're young and they can actually throw it out there and get some attention and some some credibility for social media, you can't even compare the experience of men on social media to the experience of women. You can't compare it. One, one side is winning in a one-sided battle, and the other side can't even get any points on the board. And that further accelerates this issue. Am I right? Oh, it's it's been the chaser to it. I mean, to have to have an honest conversation about this, we have to be honest. And that is that men and women have different mating criteria. One quarter of women, excuse me, one quarter of men saying economic viability is a key criteria to mate. Three quarters of women say that is important. And when you're on a two-dimensional format, where now it's one and two relationships begin online, it used to be one and four just a few years ago. It gets distilled down to a small number of criteria. Specifically for men, it's does she look attractive? And specifically for men, is he, is he able to signal his ability to garner resources in the future? An average attractive male on Tinder gets swiped less than 1% of the time. And there's three men on Tinder for every one woman. So you've distilled it. You've taken out one of the key components of mating dynamics, and that is vibe, humor, Okay, but think about this number that Scott just said. Time, and there's three men on Tinder for every one woman. So there's three men on Tinder for every one woman. No wonder most of the guys have checked out. If you're not going to put that in this proper context, that there's the women are spoiled for choice. Yeah, the guys have checked out. Most of the fellows are like, why would I go to that club? That club is lame. Nothing happens at that club. Why would I go to the Tinder club, the Facebook club, the Match.com club? The club sucks. The men outnumber the women three or four to one. There's three or four guys trying to all talk to one chick. 
and you know she ain't talking to eight out of ten of you. The men outnumber the women three to one, and the women ain't talking to eight out of ten. They're not even thinking about it. And in reality, that number's going to be closer than nine out of ten. So, yeah, you're not going to talk to them. You're just not. So the fellas have just basically said, yeah, we're checking out of those avenues. But I suggest to you something different. The fellas have said we're checking out of those avenues and we'll come back when the leverage is on our side. So the men in their early 18 to 29 years old, they're building themselves up. They're building themselves up. They're getting their head straight. They're getting their game straight. So they don't have to take a whole bunch of garbage. And they're like, okay, I don't have any leverage in the 1829 division. Most guys don't. What the men are doing is leaving and coming back when they got leverage. That is us being logical and strategic. And amazingly enough, I don't think that our, our, our academics and media people understand this at all. But when you take a look at what's actually happening, yeah, this jives perfectly with men's behavior. Why would we sit up here and get into a knife fight when you know the females have all the leverage between the ages of 18 and 25 or 18 and 29? Come back when you got the leverage on your side. It ain't going to work anyway. All you're doing is wasting time. So men are just not playing that game. They're coming back and playing when they've got the advantage. But you've distilled it. You've taken out one of the key components of mating dynamics, and that is vibe, humor, body language, pheromones, the ability to be, quite frankly, a little bit persistent in the pursuit of a romantic relationship. We have no third places anymore, no places to meet. People aren't going to bars. They aren't sports league. They aren't going to church. They aren't even going to work. So it gets distilled down to very one or two dimensional attributes in the rate. Once again here, let me go back to this list. He said places you don't go. Romantic relationship. We have no third places anymore. No places to meet. People aren't going to bars now. People aren't going to bars. I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life. I've never had a cigarette in my life. And I've seen the folk at bars. I'm like, yeah, that's why I've never had a drink of alcohol and never had a cigarette. So yeah, the rest of society is starting to get smart and say, yeah, no bars for me. Sports league, they aren't going to church. They're not going to sports leagues. They're not going to church. So there's plenty of people showing up in sports. Let's get that clear. There's plenty of people showing up in sports. But the women who sit up here and, and, and really cheer for sports like that, it's like, yeah, is, that, is that the wife material we're looking for? We're looking for something a bit more feminine, you know? As far as church, as far as church is concerned, uh, it isn't that we don't know what's going on there in church at the risk of offending my people in the church and whatnot. Um, we know what's going on up in there in the church. So, yeah, it's a bunch of chicks bringing their kids up in there now. It's a bunch of chicks strolling through with their kids and a bunch of elderly females who influence them and convince them that men don't care what you did with your body. All you got to do is come and, come sit on these pews, and the men are going to forget all that. So their grandmamas and aunties lied to them. So no, men are not taking any cues or recruiting any prospects from the church anymore. Not the Baptist church, the Catholic church, the Pentecostal church, the Presbyterian church, even the mosques now, even in Islam, even in the nation, even they are beginning to suffer this now in a lesser degree than the Christians, but even in the mosques, the disease is, is starting to manifest itself.
So Professor Galloway is naming all the places that men, we've been saying for years, we don't, the church isn't really producing white material anymore because you got Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes and Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen. That's who you got leading the churches and they're not creating white material. They're creating customers, but they're not creating white material. The men been saying this now for decades and the media and the churches just outright ignored it. Now they're sitting up here acknowledging it after we've been saying it forever. It would have been nice if they had been saying it then back then too. Instead of calling folks misogynists, it would have been nice if they had been saying this back then too and acknowledging that men have standards and that these are the standards that men want. Instead, they tried to gaslight everybody and sit up here and brainwash them and saying that's not what the men really want. Now they're coming back decades later and saying, oh yeah, that's what the men really wanted all along. Yeah, we've been saying that. People aren't going to bars, they aren't sports play, they aren't going to church, they aren't even going to work. So it gets distilled down to very one or two dimensional attributes. And the reality is women are much choosier than men and they can apply those screens to very anymore. No places to meet. People aren't going to bars, they aren't sports play, they aren't going to church, they aren't even going to work. So it gets distilled. Okay, let's talk about work. What man is going to go looking for a mate at work today? They've weaponized the workplace to a heinous degree. The workplace has become a battlefield where the females, by and large, if they're not good at their jobs and they don't do very well at it, I'll keep my job by accusing anybody who wants to remove me from my incompetence. I'll say they sexually harassed me. If there's a fella, if I'm in line for a raise and the fella's in line for a raise, I'm in line for a promotion and then there's a fella in line for a promotion. The, oh, if I accuse him of something, then they'll 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 sit up here and promote me over him. So the men have gotten smarter and savvier. The men have gotten smarter and savvier. There's no man looking for a mate at the job anymore. There's no man looking to do that anymore. Not anybody with any damn sense. The fellas are not doing that. The workplace was the first place that the guys got away from. That was the first place the guys got away from. Shout out to TJ Holmes. TJ Holmes was looking for a mate at the workplace. He found about four or five of them. But TJ Holmes found a, a couple of mates at the workplace at ABC, and they fired him for that. If I'm telling the truth, give me the fire emoji in the chat room and hit the likes button for me. It's over 3,000 people in here right now. Am I telling the truth or what? T.J. Holmes made international news for getting into a relationship on the job <coughs> and then gets fired for it. And you telling men what they need to go do? Are you serious? We're not looking for fun. And that's him at a high-powered job. They're making mincemeat out of the average fella today. At these corporate jobs and businesses, they're making mincemeat out of dudes. Dudes are like, they see a guys get fired for that all the damn time. They're like, yeah, you know what? Let me just holler at somebody online. Let me just holler at somebody online then I don't have to sit here and worry about that. Down to very one or two dimensional.
forcefully, they aren't going to church, they aren't even going to work. So it gets distilled down to very one or two dimensional attributes. And the reality is women are much choosier than men and they can apply those screens and they allocate all of their attention to a small number of men that results in just essentially at the end of the day, a lack of opportunities. Now he said women are more choosy than men. Well, I mean, that could be true, but the problem is, as I've pointed out several times, they have more leverage when they're younger because women have a limited ability to, pro to reproduce, but also when women are in their physical prime, it's a shorter window. So the, fe the younger the, fe the females hit their physical primes sooner, they also start to decline out of their physical prime sooner. Don Lemon was quite correct, even though he was too scared to say it. So the females got to hit the ground running and hit the track, um, hit the track and field, the metaphor, not the literal, anyway, get down there. The women can't wait around. So yeah, when they come out 18, 19, 20, look here, her giblets are ready to go. She doesn't have the leverage to just sit around. So yeah, at the beginning, she has all the leverage because she's in her prime. She's at her most valuable. And she got to make a choice quick, fast, and in a hurry. Otherwise, she watches all of her best options vaporize. If you don't put this in its proper context, you'll only come out of it highly confused. You've got to have the information, but it has to be in its proper context. It's not just that women are choosier. Women have more leverage because they are in their primes, but they're going to start declining out of it quickly. So they got to move and they got to move in their 20s. The males don't have to move as quickly. So the males aren't pursuing a long-term relationship necessarily. The females, like, they get to a point of pursuing that sooner because, yeah, she got to figure out who's going to have these kids. ...of men that results in just essentially at the end of the day, a lack of opportunities. Chris Williamson, Chris Williams uh, summarized it perfectly, called it the high heels effect. In the last 40 years, more women have graduated from college than men, and they're not interested in mating with non-college grads. They now own more homes, single women than single men. So what you have is women say they won't date anyone shorter than them, 50% of them. Effectively, what you have metaphorically over the last 40 years is women have been getting taller and taller, and men have been getting shorter and shorter. How many of it? Okay, once again, data with no context. So for, for, for Professor Galloway, we got data with no context. When you take a look at what has been the effect of women going to school sooner, what has been the effect of women going to school sooner? When you take a look at the results that they're actually getting, they're going to school sooner. They're coming out with huge amounts of student loan debt. They're coming out with gargantuan amounts of consumer debt. They're buying houses, so you got mortgage debt. So what Professor Galloway is not mentioning is the fact that the women become economically undesirable to the men because this has changed. Our mothers and grandmothers weren't sitting under $500,000 of debt and then saying, won't you come marry me so that if I divorce you, you'll now be responsible for my mortgage debt. So men today are making the decision, hey, maybe I need to just hold off on that because most of the females today are carrying some form of gargantuan debt that she's lugging around from her 20s or her teens. So he's not putting this in his proper context. The men are looking at the, 
He's talking about how the women look at the men. He's not talking about how the men are looking at the women saying, hey, y'all have made it part of the culture and the thing to do to jack yourself up under as much crushing debt as you possibly can in pursuit of being a boss babe at some job. And then you say, okay, after I've committed all this financial wreckage, I'm going to go see if I can find a man who will make a lifetime commitment to my debts at Citibank. And the men are saying not no, but hell no. So understand, also take a look at the chart here. Remember, as we get older, it is the men who get to be more choosy. Shout out there to Ryan in the super chat. You're very welcome. It is the men who get to be more choosy. When we see the money ain't right, we see the money's messed up, as we get older and we get into an advantageous position, we're the ones who start getting choosier. In the early stages, yeah, what you choosing up on? The chick sitting in a classroom chasing an artificial degree for symbolic benefits. The men are after the concrete tangibles, not symbolism. So if you're not going to put this in context of the reality that the females are coming out with crushing amounts of debt, and that's what they're marching into the sexual marketplace with, then you don't have the whole picture. I am not discussing dating. I am not discussing dating. I am not talking about dating. This isn't about dating. This is power dynamics. In the beginning, the females have all the power, all the advantages, all the leverage on their side of the table. As we get older and you hit your mid-30s, that balance shifts over to the men and simply never returns. Without that context, you will completely misinterpret what's being said and think that the men are screwed up wrong, dumb, don't know what the hell's going on. This is a power dynamic, and the men are playing for keeps. As I've said, I know a ton of great single women. They can't find it. Women have been getting taller and taller, and men have been getting shorter and shorter. How many of us have said, I know a ton of great single women, they can't find a date? That's not true. They can't find a date. They can't find a man they find economically or emotionally viable. If we don't make a massive investment in young people and make more economically and emotionally viable men, we're going to see a lack of household formation. We're going to see a decline in the middle class. And we're going to see, quite frankly, just a lot of young men who are terrible citizens. Okay, I want to deal with both of those statements here right quick with Professor Galloway. But back, I want to go back to this right quick. You take a look at not investing. You take a look at not investing. I covered this before on my program, The Wealth Killer. I've dealt with this before. And you can see right here, before anybody was talking about this, I was talking about this years ago before anybody was. Before anybody was talking about this, I did. And I showed you all the numbers from the Social Security Administration. I showed you the numbers from CNBC surveys. I showed you the numbers of median income. You take a look at that right there. Let's go back to the not invested. You take a look at when you talk about being economically viable, what the hell you talking about? What the hell you talking about on every single metric that you can name Every male of every race is always in a more advantageous financial position. What the hell are they talking about? 
you're sitting up here and feeding people lies. And yes, particularly with black men, black men are more invested. Black men are more invested. And when you start going into retirement, it, it, it goes even more. I already dealt with this before. When you take a look at that, it, when I was talking about that before, we talk about retirement account holders. You might have it in your head there. Oh, well, don't worry. Well, doesn't this look some kind of way? But the men, black men are not sitting up here with a 10% retirement holders account. Technically speaking, we got more than the women do. But that doesn't tell you the whole story if you don't take a look at investments. When you take a look at investments, oh man, it's almost a 20% difference. It's almost a 20% difference between black men and black women. 20%. That ain't a little bit. This is the men are on a J-O-B and are taking care of business like a son of a gun. The men ain't playing no games. When we're younger, we might bull jive around, but as we get older, it's pedal to the metal, it's foot to the floor, and we start winning. So if you're actually taking a look at the real math and the real numbers, then you realize you're being told something different. But I want to go back to this statement Professor Galloway just made right here. This is going to hurt some folks' feelings when I say this, but I got to say people want to make more economically and emotionally viable men. We're going to see a lack of household formation. We're going to see a decline in the middle class. And we're going to see, quite frankly, just a lot of young men who are terrible citizens. Okay. I want to say something to that in particular. We're going to see a lot of young men who are just terrible citizens. We're going to see a lot of young men who are just terrible citizens. And then I ask myself a simple question. We're talking about the number of men who will be terrible citizens in the future. I want to ask you, who are the terrible citizens now? Is a person who causes 90% of girlfriend-boyfriend breakups a terrible citizen? I'm asking a question. Is a person who causes 80% of divorces a terrible citizen? 90% of breakups, 80% of divorces. Is that a terrible citizen? Is someone who makes 80% of the children raised by only one parent, is that a terrible citizen? I'm asking for a friend. Is a person or is a person who is physically and emotionally abuses the majority of the children? Is that a terrible citizen? If a person who thinks it's perfectly fine to cheat on a man and can get the majority of other females online and in the in the real world to back them up on that, I'm asking you, are those terrible citizens? I'm asking a question, are those terrible citizens? You're talking about the men being terrible citizens in the future. Got it. Can we discuss the situation that's happening to the men right now and who are the terrible citizens of today? I'm going over math. 
I'm going over math. You have literally had tens of millions of black children killed by abortion since 1975. Are those terrible people who would do that to tens of millions of children? Does that constitute a terrible person? Can you imagine or can you understand why men would not want to get married in a society with this many females who would be willing to kill his children if she decides, well, you know what? I don't think the relationship's going to work, so I'm going to kill the kids. And you don't have a say in it. Do you think that men are going to line up anymore to get married when he can sit up here and get everything taken from him and he has no say? Hell no. The men are going to fall back and regroup to the quarters where we have the advantage. We're not here to sit up here and get pumped out and played and run over and exploited. The men are making a strategic fallback. And in the process, it sucked all the oxygen out of the room for the women because the women are only left with, in most cases, the fellows who have the most extreme amounts of leverage. The fellows with the most extreme amounts of leverage are either going to use it or abuse it or misuse it because they're spoiled for choice and most of the females approaching them don't actually qualify as white material. So they accuse those few guys who exploit their advantages of being terrible. But in reality, no, it's just that there are 10 of you for every one of him and nine of you don't qualify as white material, but that's not going to keep him from utilizing you if you're available. Why don't you become a good person and sit up here and say instead, you know, let me stop trying to exploit everybody. Let me be a good mother. Let me be a good wife. Let me be a good person. Instead, we've created a society that says, listen to Nicki Minaj, listen to Cardi B, be the most horrible individual, the most horrible excuse for a person you can. CNN will back your play. The abortion clinic will make sure you keep it, not the baby, your ability to be abusive, not the baby. Yeah. And that conversation doesn't happen. Oprah Winfrey was on television for four decades, never sat women down to say, you know what, we need to do a gut check and see if we're good people. He, she always started from the assumption that all the women were good people. Then you realize that seven out of 10 inmates are raised by single mothers, not single fathers, single mothers. Are these terrible people? And while I'm at it here, let me go ahead and deal with one more little misnomer here. Let me deal with one more little misnomer here. There is this, this, this idea that's been going around forever, whatever the case may be. There's this idea that keeps doing that about back in the day, all these dudes was rolling stones and they were just running around over all the chicks. Let me tell you, it, it's always been the way it is now. Women have always had the leverage. You didn't have a bunch of floozies out there. If a chick got pregnant, or it was, it was a bastard baby maker early in life, they sent her up north and down south and not know where she was from. She got sent away. Men were not interested in, 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 in trying to make a wife out of that. She became the town scandal because the man was like, hey, I ain't going to be responsible for that. So the women have always had the advantages. There's only been a small number of men who were running around making kids and somebody had kids on both sides of the town. That was always a small number of men. Let me explain. Women have always been sexually more promiscuous than men because they could be. And they had this cloak of, well, girls with sugar and spice and everything nice. They've been able to run the roads now for thousands of years with everybody making the assumption, well, the women would never do that. 
but men have never been sexually promiscuous because men on the whole throughout history couldn't be. You'd never have prostitution if men were all sexual. Or at least they wanted the world to think it was true, so it would take the heat off of them. And it's always been a lie, and it's still a lie to this day. It's still a lie to this day. In the chat room, you're damn right. Everybody couldn't be David Ruffin. Everybody couldn't be David Ruffin. So all the white folk listening right now, everybody couldn't be Buddy Holly. Well, not Buddy Holly, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Everybody couldn't be Jerry Lee Lewis. Everybody couldn't do that. Everybody couldn't be Johnny Cash. Just saying. So when you sit up here and say these things, it's, it's very misleading. Very, very highly misleading. So yes, they admit finally after all these years, they finally break down and admit what people we've been saying the whole damn time. But boy, you're clouding the issue. You're clouding the information with a whole bunch of other stuff that really makes it really, really hard to figure out what's going on. To get the real context of what's happening because you're thinking that the men are just screwed up and it's awful when in reality, the men have made a societal strategic fallback in the face of the outrageously unfair, disadvantageous, and oppressive circumstances they face. Men are doing what men are doing, gone into survival mode. The men have fallen back and said, yeah, if sexual access is going to put me at a disadvantage, I'm not going to deal with sex until I have the advantage. Why would I do that? They're out here locking dudes up for having bastard kids, and they're taking your job for asking for a date. But yeah, let me just stay away from that. Let me stay away from that. Now, there was another one here. Now, here was another one. Here was another one from KTLA 5. They had a segment that they did. Some of you might not be familiar with this television station. It's perfectly fine. But KTLA 5 had an interview they did. And check out how this one went. It's like five minutes long, but check out how this one went. About one in three American adults are single. They say they're single. No women outnumber men. Apparently one expert right here says that uh, men are actually out of their depth in the dating pool. Wow. Okay. So Dr. Wendy Walsh says modern men are struggling to find a mate and it is taking a toll on society at large. So thank you so much for joining us to explain. Good morning, Dr. Walsh. So let's start with what you said. Modern men are struggling to quote, compete in the marriage marketplace. What does that mean exactly? Why do you think it's happening? So, okay. Let me first of all, start off with what the first, what the first fallacy here is. Is it modern men are struggling in the marriage marketplace? By definition, men cannot struggle. And the reason why, by definition, men cannot struggle is because we're the ones who have to offer the women marriage. We are the producers who supply marriages. They're not supplying marriages to us, we're supplying marriages to them. By definition, men cannot struggle. That would be like saying General Motors is struggling to manufacture cars. Uh, no, General Motors manufactures cars just fine. The farmers are struggling to make food. Uh, 
uh, I don't know if you can afford the food they make. I don't know if you can afford the food they make, but no, 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 the food's coming just fine. I don't know if you can afford it. The chickens are struggling to make the eggs. No, they're not. They five dollars a damn carton. They're five dollars a damn dozen. But no, the chickens are busting out the eggs just fine. They're busting out the eggs just fine. So this is why you can't have a productive discussion about this because they couch the terms and the phrases in these very deceptive manners. So you're starting off with in bad faith from bad circumstances from the very beginning. Are struggling to quote, compete in the marriage marketplace. What does that mean exactly? And why do you think it's happening? So it's important to know that this is the research of Joseph Henrik at Harvard University. And basically, as an evolutionary bi biologist, he's seeing that what we're seeing is an oversupply of successful women. More women are getting college educated and making more money. I teach on a college campus. We see the feminization of college campuses. The problem is women don't like to date down. So as a result, they're all chasing this small group of alphas and leaving the rest of the good guys out. Hmm. Well, maybe it's, I mean, that, that sounds like a good thing to me. I don't know. It says the alpha. <laughs> now, did y'all hear that? Did you hear what she just said there? She's talking to, she's talking to her black colleagues. He said, I think that's perfectly fine. So says the alpha. Okay, well, TJ Holmes might not be the only one. If y'all thought T.J. Holmes was the only one out there doing it, if y'all thought T.J. Holmes was the only one had it sewn up, you thought he was the only one had it sewn up like Ralph Lauren? That thing again. Out. Hmm. Well, maybe it's, a, I mean, that, that sounds like a good thing to me. I don't know. Says the alpha. <laughs> to, hear, to hear that, like, there's more successful women and they hope, you know, the standards are, are higher, to me, sounds like a good thing. But first of all, how do we define successful when men own the majority of the businesses, men are the majority of the wealth, men make the majority of the higher income in every field, including the ones women are in, with their sole exceptions of a few, like modeling or something like that. How is it that the women are, quote, more successful if you're only counting college enrollment? And second of all, I've done several programs about this. Women enrolling in college are not successful. Women enrolling in college are broke. Women enrolling in college, by and large today, they are the broke ones. Women enrolling in college today are struggling. They're sitting under tens of thousands, and in a couple of cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So how do you define women are more successful? So I'm just saying this is a lie. You're only counting college enrollment. Excuse me, that's until the age of what, 24 or 28? What about the other 50 years? How about that? Are we tracking this long term? Or are you just saying, well, if she's enrolled in college, they're more successful. Yeah, more successful at enrolling in college. But are they more successful at making hay out of their college experience? Are they more successful at profiting from their college experience? The numbers very clearly bear out that that's not the case. The numbers very clearly bear out that that is simply not the case. It isn't. Does this look like success? Does this look like successful? Who you fooling? But tell us about this quote you have, normalized monogamy. 
So, okay, this is, is normalized already. Well, actually, if you look at the history of the human species, we have all kinds of mating systems. However, monogamy has been actually increasing in the last hundred years. It's been moving around Western and even Eastern cultures because it makes society safer. When there is one woman for every man, you don't get a bunch of angry men in the lower classes who become violent. In fact, Okay, this is more feminist dreck, more feminist garbage, complete unsubstantiated anti-male violent propaganda. We've had some weather coming through here, so just be aware we've had some weather coming through. So the internet service, for those of you who didn't know, we made the news again. There was a tornado yesterday. For those of you who didn't know, there was a tornado um, so been having some power outages and things. Um, so the internet service has kind of been going in and out. We're going to keep moving along with the program here, but if it does dip out, don't worry. It's going to be back. We had a tornado yesterday, so it's, we're doing some recovering the city, but we're, we're going to keep going here. So she makes her little prejudicial statement, completely false, by the way, backed by nothing, completely false and backed by nothing, but she says it anyway. You don't get a bunch of angry men in the lower classes who become violent. In fact, when monogamy is not in fashion in a culture, you will find that crime rates go up, sexual assault goes up. Uh, you leave this group of marauding men in the lower ranks who are pretty frustrated. So okay, anybody who has been to the Middle East, any of my military people who've been to the Middle East, crime in the streets is not an issue in the Middle East like it is in America, like it is in Britain. You go take a look at the places in the world that have the lowest crime rates. Go take a look at the ones that actually have the lowest crime rates. And what you're going to find is those are actually societies and places, Indonesia, Singapore, I can go down the list. You start seeing it's like, no, the, the dynamics that she just named, actually, no, it goes in a different direction. So you have to understand the facts don't actually validate what she's saying. And she knows that these two sock puppets up here are not going to dispute her and demand that she validate this garbage. She knows they're going to let her get away with it, so she's going to go ahead and say it anyway. They're not challenging her. They're letting her speak. They're not challenging her. That's the problem. Because what she's saying is lies wrong, but they're just letting her say it anyway. Or ambition in men because they didn't have to work so hard to get the attention of a woman anymore and as a result women are complaining because oh we have a fertility window that men don't have and women are complaining they can't get a guy to commit on time and it's like well you're spoiling it with free sex why should he commit you're not getting the guys to commit on time now, first of all in the chat room you're absolutely right mr1 monogamy is for women polygamy benefits monogamy benefits women more polygamy benefits men more but why do we have monogamy it isn't this is a woman supposed to be a damn professor and she's as ignorant and uninformed about this as you please so what she's got is this feminist talking point so she's making up fiction to try to substantiate her feminist talking point not actually the reality it is the fathers the fathers of the daughters throughout history whether you're dealing with Africa or Judeo Christianity coming along later, and Islam, it's the it's the fathers who have insisted 
on monogamy. That they want to know the one man who's going to take care of their daughter. It's the fathers who want their daughters to have one man. It's the fathers who have insisted on that. Because they understand that a fella sitting up here trying to entertain the company of multiple women, eventually he's going to pick a favorite. And once he picks that favorite, your daughter is going to be ass out. So it has been the men throughout history who created monogamy. It couldn't be the women. The women couldn't create monogamy. So just understand that she's sitting up here, either she's stupid or she's lying or all the above, but women didn't create monogamy. These are all of them, whether it's the church, the state, the media, it's men who created it and men who enforce it. It's sure not the women enforcing it. All these women who show up on Maury Povich with seven, eight kids by seven, eight different dudes. It's not the women who are enforcing monogamy. It's the men. And that's, the way it's always been. But you see, she's got an anti-male point to make. And everything she says is just going to keep all of her female viewers and students single. So imagine being in her classroom. You're going to be as ignorant and dumb and single as you please. And she's going to be sitting there cheering you on. Exactly. And so you have to understand the full playing board to make the right choices. 20% of women who want to become mothers are being denied the right because they can't get a guy to commit on time. Now, did you hear that? This woman has absolute vile hatred of men. She's got absolute vile. Yeah, you all heard that right. They're being denied the right. Whoa. Excuse me. What if she, what if I said that about the women? You know, 60% of the men in their formative years, why 60% of the men are being denied the right to a girlfriend. Sixty percent of the men between the ages of 18 and 29 are being denied the right to a girlfriend. Now, what would you say if the men said that, that we're being denied the right to a woman? I mean, this chick has utter hatred of men. And she's teaching at a university. So remember... Uh... And the full playing board to make the right choices. 20% of women who want to become mothers are being denied the right because they can't get a guy to commit on time. So remember, uh, just remember out there, guys, when you hear player culture say, it was you. It's all your fault, according to Dr. Wendy here. Right. And the brother, the brother tried to throw some shade right there. It's, well, it's all your fault, fellas. He know full damn well in anger. He's like, hey, I got this little old corporate job, so you know, I got I to gotta say what they tell me to say. Then she'll yeah. say, okay, not tonight, buddy. <laughs> so uh, what do women need to know Women who want to date men, what do they need to know about that? Okay, so first of all, if a woman wants a short-term relationship for fun and sex, she should go for it. There's no moral teaching here. This isn't purity. Now, did you hear what she just said? Now, did you hear that? If women want to get out here and hoe it up, well, you know what? Hey, there's no moral teaching. 
if they're going to hold it up, go ahead and do that. Didn't she just say, well, the problem is you're, you're giving them free sex. Guy to commit on time. And it's like, well, you're spoiling him with free sex. Why should he commit? Oh, yeah, I thought that's what you just said. I thought you just said, well, why should he commit? You're spoiling him with free sex. And so when they ask, well, what should the girls do? They'll remember, uh, just remember out there, guy. It was you. It's all your fault here. Right, and then she'll say, okay, not tonight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do women need to know? Women who want to date men, what do they need to know about men? Okay, so first of all, if a woman wants a short-term relationship for fun and sex, she should go for it. There's no moral teaching here. This isn't purity culture, none of that. This is pure evolutionary science. However, if she wants a man who will be a contributor to the family financially or instrumentally with his help, who will be involved with the children, she needs to open up her search criteria. She needs to understand that her idea of a power man might just be a guy who can power a stroller. And she which is awesome. Yeah, right. Which she needs a awesome. best friend and lover and stop crowdsourcing onto that one alpha male. Okay. I want you all to understand something here. I'm not gonna use the phrase that a lot of folks use. I'm just gonna say if you hear that 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 sound right now, that's the sound of all the females lips per pursing and, and tensing up right now. This is the sound of all the women out there cringing at the same time open up her search criteria to the family financially or instrumentally with his help who will be involved with the children she needs to open up her search criteria she needs to understand that her idea of a power man might just be a guy who can power a stroller now here's the problem for the last 50 years, you've had nothing but a bunch of ignorant people get on TV. And after they tell the women, have as much sex as you want, be the biggest hoe you can be, have as many bastard kids as you want to be. All right, we got cut off again here, but we're back. So for the last 40, 50 years, what they've been saying is women, when the women finally come to them and say, hey, it ain't working for us. The only suggestion that Oprah, Steve Harvey, Ilyana Van Zant, they're only this chick here. The only suggestion they have for women is, well, maybe you need to consider something less. But wait a minute. But if she's been out here Olympic sex in her way through life, and you told them that that doesn't, it, she literally just said, if you want to sit up here and lay up with men for fun, go ahead. If a woman wants a short-term relationship for fun and sex, she should go for it. There's no moral teaching here. This isn't... Short-term relationship. Okay, here's the problem. A short-term relationship can be one night. Okay, in the words of the weekend, it's going to be one of those nights. I can see that right now. But we're going to go ahead and power through it here. So she's telling you that if you're a female, after you sat up here and slept with all the dudes you want to... When you decide you want to get serious later, then don't worry. There'll be a man out there. Oh, but you need to lower your standards. Or at least you need to lower what you desire. You need to start diminishing and lowering your expectations. Here's the problem. Women are not interested in those guys. She doesn't want a lackey. She wants a winner. 
She doesn't want a lackey. She wants a winner. And winners are rare. And this woman's only suggestion is, well, hey, ladies, you need to just understand that a winner is a guy who will push the stroller. What she's not saying is, will he just push the stroller of another man's kids? Does he want to push the stroller for the town floozy and the town hussy? She's not saying, does she want... Does the man want to push the stroller when he knows that you were his, he was your 10th, 12th, or 15th choice? So all she can say is, well, ladies, you know, do whatever you want to do sexually. You do that. And when you get ready for a man, well, you know, just, you may have to lower your expectations. As opposed to her just being honest and saying, hey, pull them drawers up. No man of any value is going to take you seriously. Because she's talking out of both sides of her mouth. She's supposed to be the damn university professor and she's talking out of both sides of her mouth. She's sitting up here telling you, well, you know, if you're giving out sex for free, why should the men commit? And then she's saying, hey, when you get ready for a man to commit, why there's plenty of them out there. When you get ready, well, it might not be the winner you were hoping for. And the women are like, well, I'll be damned. Why on earth would I get married to Mr. Struggle Love? And the professor is sitting up here describing Mr. Struggle Love. And then she's trying to play dumb like she doesn't understand that the women get it. The women get it. You're describing Mr. Struggle Love. And females don't want Mr. Struggle Love, which is why you have the situation you've had for thousands of years. Women would rather share an alpha than own a beta. They would rather share an alpha than have sole ownership of a beta. She'd rather have 25% of the man than to have 100% of the simp, of the beta. And that's female nature. That's biology. That's not going to change. This woman's a so-called professor and is sitting up here giving out misinformation by the boatload because she doesn't know. Well, let me correct that. She does know. But what she's trying to do is craft a lie that gives women advantages over men. But she knows that when these females go into the real world, it's not actually going to work. And the women are already expressing, hey, this doesn't work. So she's just giving the same old cop out that they keep rinsing and repeating. Well, the problem is you haven't lowered your standards enough. That's not true. Ladies, the problem isn't that you haven't lowered your standards enough. The problem is too many of you have not raised your value high enough. And you already know this. You haven't raised your value high enough. You are a basic broad. No, Kevin, she wasn't, they, they ain't average at best, they basic. You're a basic broad, but you want a top dog winner. 
and you sat here with some whacked out propagandist university professor telling you that you killing it because you got your bachelor's degree or your master's degree. It's Friday night. You alone. Wake up and smell the damn ambrosia, the milk of magnesia, whatever y'all drinking over there. It's not a fluke. It's not a fluke. It's mathematics. These people are sitting up here telling you that there's just this never ending parade of men. Now it doesn't matter where you go. All you gotta do when you're ready to get married, all you gotta do is make a wish to the man fairy. And the man fairy is gonna drop you off a dude, gonna drop you off a producer. And producers are rare. But when you have a professor lying and saying that women are more successful than men, that's the first lie. She won't be honest and say women are not more successful than men, not by a long shot. Furthermore, the definition of male success and female success are two separate things. So if you're attempting to compete at being, quote, successful the same way a man is, quote, successful, you've already lost before you started. She won't say this. She's telling the females how to be great employees, but she isn't telling them a damn thing about how to be good wives or mates. Nothing is desirable. And then to top it all off, the coup de gras is when she sits up here and says, by the way, have sex as many men as you want to for sex for fun. I want to replay it again so you can hear the exact words she said. If you want to have sex for fun. Women who want to date men, what do they need to know about men? Okay, so first of all, if a woman wants a short-term relationship for fun and sex, she should go for it. There's no moral... Did you hear that? If a woman wants a short-term relationship, one-night stand for sex and fun, this is what she's advising young women. Why, if you want to just get it in with these dudes for fun, why show? This is the teacher here. So if you want to know why so many of these chicks go to these universities and they come out ruined, wrecked, and destroyed, they already were raised by a no-good mother to begin with. Once these women at these universities, the other undesirable females at the university regurgitating lies get done with them, that's a wrap, bruh. That, that chick is through. She's through. She's through. She's literally sat here on KTLA talking to both sides of her mouth. Neither one of these reporters called her on it. Neither one of them called her on it, which was a service to humanity. They didn't call her on it. She's sitting up here telling misleading lies and marching on. Now she's going to go back to her high-paying job, probably not too high-paying because she works at the university. But she's going to go back to her decent-paying job at the university, spreading more lies. The very strategies that don't work. This woman is a science fiction writer. She just makes things up. It doesn't work. It won't work for these women. The women are already trying to do what she's saying. Let me explain. The women are already trying to do what she's talking about. So they sit up here and have sex and fun with whoever they consider to be worth having sex for fun. But when it's time to sit up here and, 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 and get the bag to get the fellow who's built for the long run, she's not eligible for it. Because you can't force the men to want the type of degraded females that this professor is sitting up here advocating for. 
She's telling the women to become exactly the type of women that men don't want. That's the problem. She's got a degree telling you to become exactly the type of woman that men don't want. That men, understand something, folks, for the ladies listening right here to the young women listening, do you know how hard it is to become a producer? Do you know how hard it is to become a man of quality, a man of resources, a man of value, a man of productivity? Do you know how hard that is? Of course you do. That's why y'all have fist fights and cat fights over a man when you get him, because that's the bag. You know damn well getting a fellow who's built like that to change your life. Do you know how hard it is for a man to become a competent and resourceful and capable? Man, that's hard as hell. That's hard as hell. So no, there is no man fairy. There is no alpha man fairy who's going to show up drop, dropping off alpha men in front of your house. Going to take you to the right place. And if you have spent your early years working your ass off to become exactly the type of female he could, he doesn't feel comfortable committing to because he's got options. Well, yeah, you're going to be left out of the chair when the music stops. And these are your so-called professors telling you that these men will be there when you get ready. Now, they were citing the same study that we were talking about here before from Pew Research, but on, on, on KTLA, and I want to say is that in Los Angeles? If you want to know why the, the dating scene is screwed up in Los Angeles, these are your professors. These chicks talk about they strong, independent, got a degree, well, here's their professor. Here's their teacher. And she's telling them while she's it doesn't have an issue. She's telling you, go out there and run the skid marks on your sexual resume. She's a psychology teacher. Yeah, she doesn't teach anything of any real value. She doesn't teach anything of value. I want to go ahead and finish up the last part of what she was saying with her babble. An alpha male on the dating app. Before we go, what you men need to understand that her idea of a power man might just be a guy who can power a stroller. And she Which is awesome. Yeah. Right. Which she is needs awesome. a best friend and lover and stop crowdsourcing onto that one alpha male on the dating app. And before we go, what do you men need to know about finding a partner? I think people of all genders and all sexual orientations need to understand that in any mating marketplace, there are people looking for short-term relationships and long-term relationships, and they're all mixed in together. The best way to get a short-term relationship, by the way, is to pretend you're looking for a long-term relationship. That's so good. figure out who you are, what you want. What? What the hell? Really? In together, the best way to get a short-term relationship, by the way, is to pretend you're looking for a long-term relationship. The best way to get a short-term relationship is pretend you're looking for a long-term relationship. So in other words, she's outright advocating that you lie. 
but I bet you she doesn't really think that she's talking to the men. She thinks she's advocating to the women. Well, if you if you want to, you should lie. If you want a short-term relationship, just lie. Just lie to them. Boy, I'm telling you, and this is what they put on big-time TV in California, and you wonder why the women coming out of these schools are completely screwed up. That's not good. Figure out who you are, what you want, be totally the best way to get a... You heard the brother? The brother said that again, saying, that's not good. So you can tell throughout this interview, he's sitting over there like, hey, I know this bull crap, but he can't really push back the way he needs to because he saw what happened to T.J. Holmes. And so the, the, the brother's letting you know, hey, I ain't buying this. But, you know, he can't really push back the way he needs to. But boy, yeah, she is a deceitful, scandalous little creature, isn't she? short-term relationship, by the way, is to pretend you're looking for a long-term relationship. That's so not good. Figure out who you are, what you want. Be totally honest and authentic about it at the beginning. And if you want a commitment and you want monogamy, you say that on the first date. But that's important that you... Uh, she just... Folks, she literally just said, if you're looking for a short-term relationship, tell me you're looking for a long-term relationship. But you need to be honest, and if you're looking for a relationship, let them know on the first date. This schizophrenic psychopathic liar and this this is your psychology degree up here there are so many females today who are just screwed up in the head boy these universities have just if you want to know what's going on in these universities why it is that once these universities ladies if you want to know why it is that men don't want a chick with a degree exhibit a we know who's been talking to you. We know who's had your ear that you have to give them the answers they want to hear and you have to learn the world according to them for two, four, six, eight, maybe 10 years. By the time this woman gets done mind screwing you, you're done, you ain't good for nothing. You're not good for anything. That is an important tip. Like, yeah. know the game you're playing. Yeah. Understand yeah. the game board and under, you can't go, oh, it didn't work out for me. You didn't look at the game board and understand your moves. It's strategy for all genders, all sexual I think communication is key and it's important. I think, and not only communication is important, but you attract who you are. So I think if you hold yourself to a certain caliber, you attract a certain caliber. Now, the brother tried to lay the game in there at the end. He's, you know, you attract who you are. Gave him a few seconds and he gave you more reliable information in a few seconds than this happened in five minutes. He said, if you know you, you're gonna achieve letting the women know you're gonna attract what you are. So if you are an average chick, if you are a basic broad, you can go get limit. Ladies, let me say this to you in no uncertain language. Just because you got a degree doesn't mean that you are not a basic broad. Jason, why are you yelling it? Because nobody else is telling it. Shout out DLC. Folks, ladies, just because you have a master's degree doesn't mean you ain't a basic broad. Just because you have a PhD doesn't mean you're not a basic broad. You might be a fine student, but you are a basic broad who is a fine student. Just because you got a BSN doesn't mean you're not a basic broad. Just because you've got a hundred thousand 
or 300,000 or a million Instagram followers does not mean you're not a basic broad. You're a basic broad with a degree. You're a basic broad in school. You're a basic broad with a million followers on Instagram, but you're a basic broad. And there's a bunch of you who have allowed screwed up university and, and academic professionals like Wendy Walsh to sit up here and, and, and deceive you into thinking that your academic achievement means that you've graduated out of your female basicness. I made that phrase years ago for a reason. You are basic broad because I don't use the other B word. So you know it was me because I don't use the other B word. I'm in polite company. But use a basic broad. And your psychology degree, your sociology degree, your, 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 your accounting degree, your job, your promotions, the car you drive, the neighborhood you live in, the house you own, the, the place you rent, none of that matters. It doesn't matter if you slept with Bill Cosby and Michael Jordan back in the day. You probably still a basic broad. You don't get basic broad results. You might be an exceptional student, but as far as being a female, you're a basic woman. A man's not marrying your degree. He's marrying you. And all this woman showed you is that she is an expert at cultivating and encouraging basic chicks. Not only to be basic, but to run themselves to the damn concrete. One other thing here. See if I got the rest of this together. Thought I just saw it there. Yeah, there it is. By the way, these are your numbers for LGBT. For those of you who want to know, these are your numbers for LGBT in case you were wondering. In case you were wondering what the numbers were for the LGBT community in this regard, yeah, those are your numbers. For the rate of being single. For the rate of being single, there's those are your numbers. Those are your numbers right there. So she wanna talk about L LGBT community, yikes. Yikes. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, just thought I'd take a moment to go ahead and point it out real quick. Just thought I'd take a moment to point that out real quick. However, you might disagree. You might feel differently. The Juneteenth Order, June 19, 1865. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor.
The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness, either there or elsewhere. Freedom was very important to them. Here in Galveston, you're at ground zero of where the Juneteenth message began and really was sacred ground. It's more than just a celebration. A matter of pride and joy and empowerment in my community. Once they were rejoined with their families, the hard work of becoming economically self-sufficient went into play.